It's the Mermaid Podcast. We've got mermaids on the land and down below. Legs or fins, you will love our show. All the news that makes a splash is on the Mermaid Podcast. Laura Von Holt, also known as the author, Laura Lovely. Hi, mer friends. I missed you. Yes, you may have noticed that my intro line has changed a little bit. Don't worry, I will always be your fairy boss mother. But since the last season of the Mermaid Podcast, there have been some changes. And one of them is that under my pen name, Laura Lovely, I have a new book just published exclusively on Audible. It's a romantic comedy called The Breakup Artist, and one of the best parts about it is that I co-wrote it with my bestie, Erin Clark. Erin and I have been friends for years, and we always said that one day we would write a romance with a disabled heroine, and now we have. So what is The Breakup Artist about? The main character is named Zelda Reynolds. She's gorgeous, hilarious, witty, sarcastic, and she has a secret identity as The Breakup Artist, the infamous ender of relationships. Dun, dun, dun. If you don't want to end your relationship yourself, you can just email Zelda and she'll get the job done like a pro, anonymously, of course. But when Zelda starts falling for Jake, the dreamy barista at her favorite cafe, only to find out that he was one of the recipients of her snarkiest letter yet, (gasps) will she have the courage to tell him the truth? (gasps) Or will her undercover identity as a breaker of hearts come back to haunt her? Oh my God, what's going to happen? I don't know. Oh wait, I do because I wrote the book. Don't worry. There's a happy ending. There's good friends. There's good feelings. And there's lots of jokes. I am very excited that this book is finally out in the world. And I hope that you love it. You can find The Breakup Artist on Audible. And if you're an Audible Plus subscriber, that's like when you pay a monthly fee, The Breakup Artist will be included in your library of free reads. And if you're not an Audible Plus subscriber, you can start a seven-day free trial of Audible Plus. You find out what the whole situation is, find The Breakup Artist, and see if you want to keep on subscribing. Or you can buy The Breakup Artist with your Audible credits or on Amazon. For now, the book is only on Audible. It's only an audiobook, but perhaps maybe cross your fingers in a year or so, it will be in print or ebook. We'll have to see. In the meantime, I hope you check it out on Audible. I hope you enjoy it. I had so much fun writing it and I'm so excited that it is out under the in the world. But that's also why I've been promoting my pen name, Laura Lovely, with the Mermaid Podcast. So you know that like when you find that book, it's me. Like the Laura you know from the podcast is also an author. That's what the confusion is, okay? So anyway, I hope you find The Breakup Artist. I'm so excited to finally tell you that it is available. I have been keeping this a secret for so long. All right, back to this episode. I had the absolute honor and pleasure of interviewing Jason June, the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Out of the Blue. That's right, it was an instant New York Times bestseller. So exciting. Out of the Blue is a queer teen rom-com and a retelling of The Little Mermaid and Splash. It's funny, it's upbeat, it's got wonderful merfolk world building and mythology, fake dating, non-binary mer people, and plenty of references to your favorite rom-com movies. It is literally the perfect beach read. Jason June is a peach, a gem, a treasure, and I had so much fun in this interview. You can find Jason June at heyjasonjune.com, and all the links to find them and buy Out of the Blue will be in our show notes. Okay, on with the show. Let's go. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Jason June, would you tell everybody who you are? 
Yes, I'm so excited to be here. I am Jason June. It's a two name first name like Mary Kate without the hyphen or the Olsen twin. <laughs> and I am completely mercessed with all things merfolk. I'm a young adult writer. My most recent young adult book is about mer people, queer mer people, and I'm so jazzed. I also have the chapter book series Mermicorn Island with Scholastic that I'm just so in love with. It's, it was such a magical world to escape to during the pandemic because it all was written and came out during the pandemic. And other than that, I'm married. We're going to have our 11 year anniversary together and our five year anniversary married this July. I'm very oh my excited gosh, about. congratulations! Thank you so much. Oh, I, he's so just sweet. the absolute best. That's so sweet. I'm going to be obsessed and be like, is there a photo? Anyway, okay, I'll say okay, I love it. Let's stick to the mer stuff. Um, okay, so I just finished reading your book, Out of the Blue, which comes out on May 31st, Mermaid yep. 31st. Exactly. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's a super funny queer YA rom-com, and it's just delightful. I think I think everybody that listens to podcasts will enjoy it, especially the mermaid mythology and the whole like mer culture that you built. Um, and I a lot of questions about that but before we get into it will you just tell people a little bit about the premise of the book so we don't um, confuse them exactly yeah. so out of the blue is essentially a, i pitch it as like a gay reimagining of the movie splash where a teen mer person comes on shore and they have to do this tradition uh for pacifica is the mer town that that crest lives in and the tradition is called the journey, where you have to come on shore for one full moon cycle and you have to help a human to show that you can be a selfless being and a protector of the blue. And if you help a human, then you get to come back into the blue slash the ocean and be granted your mer magic. So it's this big rite of passage. And Crest, our lead mer, is not looking forward to it. They hate humanity. They think they're <laughs> disgusting, that they're ruining the planet, that they're very selfish. And just will not enjoy their time on land. But then their very first day, they meet cutie lifeguard, Sean, who has just been dumped. And Crest realizes that their mission to help a human could be resolved by helping Sean win his ex back. So they fake date. Yay! Yay! Fake dating, a great <laughs> trope. <laughs> Everyone loves a fake dating trope. Yeah. <laughs> and then from there, we know what happens with fake dating. So it's yeah. this whole story of, what does Crest do when real feelings develop that they weren't expecting? And how do you choose, ultimately, like what I wanted to explore was, how do you choose love for a person versus love for your home when you literally can't choose between the two? And I think oftentimes queer people uh, come across this theme in their life where they fall in love with the city and really feel like it's home, even if technically they weren't born there. Uh, but then they also fall for a person and, it's having to choose between those two loves. It's just, I'm not sure that I've seen this as much with the straight people in my life where they truly fall for a place and it's a part of their identity as well as the people that they love in their life. And so it was just really fun to explore that in this sort of magical way. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, okay, great. That gives me a lot to jump off from. I live in New York and I will say New York is like part of my personality to an annoying yes. degree. So like, <laughs> I was like, I understand this. <laughs> like, yes. I love it. <laughs> um, okay, so there's so much there. Okay, so first of all, I love fake dating because everyone knows when you fake date, it's going to go exactly as you planned it. <laughs> right. I mean, every time, 100%, it always stays fake. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> one of my favorite things about the fake dating was that Sean is a filmmaker, a buddy 
budding filmmaker. And he has this like dream shot list of like what he thought his his year was going to be with his boyfriend, Dominic. And then when he gets dumped, it's like all gone away. And my favorite part is that when he like is coming up with a plan for how to win Dominic back, he gets this like very type A shot list back again. Where, like all the places <laughs> he's going to make out, like all the places are going to go and stock Dominic. <laughs> like, like, exactly. you know? like, yeah. And I and I was noticing a lot of the nods to Splash and other rom-coms and things. So I loved that framing device of like, we've got to get all our shots. we got to like hit this beat. <laughs> you know? I love that. Yeah. I still um, got it was coming across. That was super fun. Um, okay. It's the other like oh i also love there's always like a falling into the water moment which is like a classic in any sort of like mermaid movie um gotta <laughs> have it um i so i thought like all these little nods that you did were super great and like and then also okay there's one moment oh god i don't want to give it away but i'm going to there's one moment where a calamity happens okay so there's a few yes. rules right there's a few yes. rules please tell them the rules like of what ross can and cannot do while on the journey yeah. So Crest slash Ross. Crest as a little mer background. Um, the mer people that I envision, their names are actually sounds. Mer people are expert mimickers. That's how they can communicate with anything in the ocean. Um, that's how they get around with life. So their names are the actual sound of the things that they that we would read as a word. So like Crest, uh, their name is the sound of a wave cresting. That like whoosh sound but as a human my mouth cannot make the perfect no, sound. i was only reading along being like whoosh, whoosh. Yeah. <laughs> and like yeah. there's drop is a person that's important to them and i kept being like blop, blop, blop. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, every I time was, drop yeah. that sound is like that like yeah that. exactly and i was like i was like no i'm really doing this and i can't do it <laughs> yes yeah. or like elder kelp their name would be pronounced like the sound of kelp waving underwater and kind of like brushing up against oh, each other. Oh, okay. I was like wondering. That. I was like, it's not a squishy sound. Okay, I get it. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. So um, because humans can't say that name, all mer people are given a human name that they normally get to pick themselves. Uh, but Crest was so not about the assignment and hated it that he just had the elders assign one for him. And they picked Ross oh. because they tend to have this whole like list of names. Once mer people come back, they're like, okay, what were popular names? And of course, Ross, Chandler, Rachel, Monica are there. Uh, Tia, Tamara, Hannah Montana, all these. <laughs> I was like, I was like, who gets Hannah Montana? Like, what is the person that's going to show up and be like, hi, I'm Hannah Montana? <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? I would so need to write like a side story about yes. Hannah Montana. Like everybody time. who like <laughs> really did not pick the right name for their journey. <laughs> like, right. yeah. Yeah. So, um, so the rules for the mer people when they come on land that Crest slash Ross has to keep track of are one, do not get your fin wet when you're on land because when you do, your tail comes out. Water is a part of mer being and that pull is so strong that their fin cannot help but make an appearance when they get wet. And two, especially, 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 do not get wet in the ocean because if you are uh, submerged or splashed with ocean water, the mer magic is going to trigger that is going to be triggered and it's going to assume that you're trying to forego the journey and like rush the process. You have to stay a full moon cycle on land. So if you get wet with ocean water, we're thinking you're cheating and you're going to be stuck as a human forever. So those are the two main rules of the journey other than help a human in before the end of your moon cycle or else also you'll be stuck on land. If you're just the selfish being that doesn't do the journey, you're not worthy of the blue and you've got to stay up on shore for the rest of your life. 
And you know that you'll have succeeded in helping a human if this little mark appears. So then then that's your sign that like, yes, you've accomplished it. When the cycle's done, you can go back and get all your mer magic and everything's great, right? Exactly. It, sounds very, it sounds very stressful. I was glad there was a mark because I'd be like, how do you know? Like I was like, went around the whole time helping people being like, was this the right helping? <laughs> like I'm right. nervous. Did I do it right? Did I write? Oh my it's my like, is this helpful enough? Yeah. <laughs> like, was yeah. like helping pack their groceries in the yeah. grocery store enough or does to- it have to be further than that? Totally. <laughs> totally. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so yeah, so I really liked that tension because also it's hilarious because Sean, the lifeguard that they meet is a lifeguard who works at a pool and is on the swim team. So there are like many options to be near the water and they're in Los Angeles, right? Exactly. So like, yeah. So like, it's not like Ross slash Crest is like in the mountains and like, there's no chance that like they'll ever get splashed. It's like, they're constantly in danger of being exposed. And there was like... <clears throat> One moment that mirrored one of my favorite movies in the moment, uh, moments in the movie Splash where like calamity happens and there's some water and it's yeah. like, uh, and um, I and I love that what they do to cover it is they just start filming it and then are like, it's a TikTok trend. Yeah. It's like, wear a tail. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because yeah. They, one of my favorite things and like also the most sad things I think about humanity is like we it can take a lot to phase us. So if we, I do think that we're so jaded by special effects and all these things that if we tr- saw true magic happening in front of us, there'd be a moment where we're like, that's not real. And if one person suggests it's actually not real, we'll just believe it. Yeah. Even though it could actually be real magic happening in front of us. Yeah. So that's what they do. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I thought it was genius. And then that's, they're like, we're just hiding in plain sight. It's like, everyone's doing it now. Everyone's like, oh, I do this tail thing too. It was like, hilarious. I would love it. Um, hashtag fishing. Hashtag fishing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was just delightful. Um, I also I also enjoyed that there was like a bunch of um like just a bunch of ca- cast of characters kind of like that like uh Sean has like his ex-boyfriend Dominic who's like super dreamy but now Dominic's got a new boyfriend Miguel who used to be like mm-hmm. Sean's best friend and like also he's very dreamy and then like Kavya is also like just uh, so funny and so cool and like and everyone's just hilarious and constantly like ragging on each other all of the time and so like it was very delightful so of course when they started doing hashtag fishing I was like I believe it I buy it they're like pretty wild anyways um <laughs> so yeah that that like all of that is like a chance of discovery um one thing that you talked about was how um, Ross slash Crest really did not like humans and had all of these like terrible ideas, which like they're not wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I was like, now that you're pointing it out, we're destroying your beautiful, magical blue ocean. And you're right. It's kind of weird that we eat your pets. <laughs> and, like, like, like they're horrified when like they get a fish burrito. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yeah. And that's like instant nausea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, um, but I think one of my favorite like fish out of water, having a human experience moments was um, when they were, when Kavya has them in the car. Mm-hmm. and they get yes. like so car sick and they're like slow down and she's like we're going 20 miles an hour <laughs> exactly that was like one of my yeah. favorite things to think about was if you're a mer person on land for the first yeah. time there's all these physical experiences just with how your body is moving yeah that you would never have had before let alone like walking and running which are the first things that you think about but what about riding in a car or dry uh riding a bike yeah. or if you got to go on a roller coaster or something for the first time your body would be like what the heck is going on yeah there's so and, much different motion on land than there is yeah. in water yeah exactly in water yeah. you're just swimming or yeah. you know uh crest talks about how there's times where you could sort of ride 
uh, currents and vents and stuff that's underneath the water, um, which would be amazing and super fun. But like, yeah. there's only so many of those things that would happen underwater. Whereas on land, there's skateboards, there's bikes, there's scooters, there's cars, there's everything yeah. that that just seems like endless. Yeah. And uh, it was really fun to picture what your body would be going through with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. It, it was, I mean, the fish out of a literal fish out of water stuff is always <laughs> like very charming, but this was delightful. And, and then I also, so I was kind of with them. I was like, yeah, we're not that great. I don't know why you're helping us. Thanks so much. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but then something I liked was that as Sean is taking them around LA, um, they start to like notice, see all these things that like, like that they never would have seen, you know, in the blue. And there's all these like beautiful moments, like an observatory. And they, there is like mm -hmm. a boat ride dangerous, but you know, lovely. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Like the Hollywood um, Walk of Fame with all the stars and like and like it's and uh and then I think one of my favorite ones is there's some films that um, they see and they realize like kind of how they're like oh humans are so endearing actually and I was like yeah <laughs> yeah we're not that bad <laughs> exactly like, oh, yeah. and like that was a theme that was really prevalent on my mind with the pandemic and mm -hmm. with everything that we're going with our with our sort of cultural. Uh, reckoning with you know racism and homophobia and we've got book banning and it's like all this stuff that's been happening within the last three years I mean it's been happening since the dawn of mankind and mm -hmm. specifically in our country like since the birth of our country but we're really talking about it right now as I think we should and then that paired with the pandemic and how not everyone handles it how we think they should in terms of keeping each other safe and it's so quick for my mind to go into how I think humanity sucks and how mm -hmm. um how hopeless I started to feel based on, on humans actions to each other. Mm -hmm. And this was such a great thing to explore the reasons we keep going and the reasons that we keep fighting for a better world is because there are those seeds of joy. And uh, sometimes they're much, much, much bigger than seeds and they're huge, like yeah. blooming gardens of happiness in our lives. And how do we find those? And how do we, how do we be a part of making them? And so that was really like an uplifting part of this book and uh, allowed me to kind of see a little bit of hope in humanity, despite all the wildness we have going on. <laughs> yeah. And I really liked um, whatever Crest was talking about, the, the blue is what they call the the ocean and where they're from. And right. it seemed like such a benevolent place. And it was like filled with magic and would always like provide and would take care and you to go with the flow because it'll show you what's going to go on. And it was um, like so nice to hear that like where they came from was just like a a community and a culture that was just focused on like the greater good and that like you would like never put yourself above someone else like I think there's a moment where they're like in the spotlight and they get really shaken because they're like it's never usually about one person it's always about the whole community yeah um, and that was like an like nice to see what they brought to earth with that like when they're horrified by how humans interact but then like what they bring and then when they find kind of some of the same stuff too that they wouldn't have thought to find in like he and they open their mind a little bit to like the the goodness of humans was like very sweet um right and i think that's actually a good theme and that reminds me i will you tell them the kind of origin story of how mer people got there like what the origin story is for that yeah i think that was cool so millennia ago in this mer culture the the blue slash the ocean is just full of life-giving magic and it's water it's like 80 percent plus of what our planet is made up of so 
to me, it seems feasible that there would be some sort of magic that would just support the whole thing we got going on here. And also tied with the blue is the moon, which we all know is like the moon affects tides. So uh, in my mind, that magic would be sort of linked. So the most magical night of known to Merkind is the blue moon, where you have a full moon twice in one month. So you're getting like really saturated with the magic of the moon. Plus you have the magic of the blue really interacting together. And millennia ago on a blue moon, there was a a shipwreck that happened and humans were crying out for help in the middle of the ocean, which it would never have happened in the middle of the ocean. There's nobody there to save them. And especially thousands of years ago, but the blue being this benevolent life-giving thing that it is and saturated with the power of the blue moon was able to transform these humans that were genuinely crying out for help into mer people. And uh, that was where Merkind started was was from that. And then from then on, um, this mer community kept getting to get bigger by creating more mer people on the blue moon, not by waiting for struggling humans. Although if that happened again, the blue would still do that and create mer that way. But there are eight types of mer magic. And when mer people come together and combine their magics, they're able to make a spell that creates new mer people. But that can only happen on the blue moon. Yes, I thought that was that was really cool. And it was a very like different, a different kind of mythology instead of like that mer people are created separately and humans are created separately. There was like a magical transformation that that brought them. And I thought that was so neat. Did you like make that up or were you inspired by anything? I made that up. Wow. I mean, unless there was something that in all my years of mer mer reading that yeah. just kind of like saturated my subconscious. But yeah. I'm really fascinated with the moon in general and uh, and the ocean, obviously. And so I wanted to find ways to tie these together. And so there, there's eight types of magic because there's eight phases of the moon. And it's like, this was all, even though I don't consider this a fantasy novel, even though it has fantasy elements, it's mostly contemporary. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted to find those those little beginnings of this fantasy world so that if there's ever an opportunity where I can focus it more just in this world, I've got the whole systems and everything ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was really neat. I, Cause I was racking my mind. She was like, have I heard this before? I don't think so. And I was like, Ooh, new, different, you know, like, <laughs> also in my mind, it was very comforting in my mind. Like anybody on the Titanic could become a mer, And then I felt better about that. Right. If <laughs> yeah. it was, if it sank on the blue moon. Oh no, I don't think it did. Oh no. <laughs> I know. No, sorry, Titanic. No, sorry, Jack no and to Rose. self. If you are ever <laughs> shipwrecked, only do it on a blue moon, everyone. Right. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm only going out on boats on a blue moon. <laughs> Just so, like, exactly. anything happens, it'll then be fine. Set. Yeah, that's you said. <laughs> like, um, so I want to talk a little bit more about the the culture and the community of the mer because I I think there's a lot of like the Little Mermaid and other stories uh, like Aquamarine, which a classic. You know, there's usually like a king or some sort of ruler, and there's a hierarchy. And it doesn't yeah. work that way with the mer. It's much more community minded, right? So can you explain yes. a little bit of like who the elders are and like how they get new mer? Like I thought all of that was like really interesting world building. Oh, I love that. Thank you. So yeah, so this, there is no sort of like uh, aristocracy or monarchy or anything like that. It's where you get your status in the community based on how much you give of yourself. So um, anyone before their journey, before this rite of passage is just called by their name. And then anyone who has made it through, which you, it's usually around your 16th birthday, um, anyone who's made it through and has come back is then called elder and your name um, because you've you've had this experience and you realize part of your like maturity and why you get the title of elder is because you realize how 
uh, great and rewarding and important it is to be thinking about the world around you and everyone around you and not just yourself. Um, and from there, it's really just like community activities. There's community child rearing, there's community harvesting of seaweed and things they can eat. They don't eat uh, things other than underwater plant life. So there's not a whole lot that they, <laughs> they can eat. Um, and they have one of the eight types of mer magic is passage that you could be granted once you return from your journey, which allows you to kind of like with the flick of a fin travel to anywhere in the ocean. Um, so they spend a lot of time just like appreciating the world around them, which is really fun. Yeah. Um, but I also wanted to explore in this, like the perceived, uh, selfishness of humanity. Uh, and that's kind of the downside of being in sort of an individualistic culture. But then I also wanted to explore the downsides of being in such a communal culture where Crest really doesn't know, uh, like how to handle their own individual self-development and uh, their default is to come at it with like sarcasm and sort of um, degrading like human life or something different than theirs. Um, and it also, it, I, it also was a way for me to explore kind of um, when you just focus on the community, that's kind of single-minded as well. It doesn't allow anyone to, to, discuss their very real problems or their very real like individual takes on things mm -hmm. which can be important it's people that have like these sparks of an idea that are different that have led to so many great creations in in the world mm -hmm. and so when you're too focused on just doing things as the community has done you don't uh have the opportunity to question whether you're doing things the quote unquote right way or best way even though that's so subjective too um, even that conversation is taken away. So it was really fun to, um, to in my mind, like living in Pacifica in this one town, there's also Atlantis, there's also Indiana. That's a uh, great joke, by the way. <laughs> That's a, that was amazing, thank you. Is that, so, so Crest has like all this list of rules and like a story that they're supposed to give if anybody asks them and they're just supposed to say, I'm from Indiana. <laughs> because like, that's a state and also like a territory like in the yeah. ocean. And I was like, excellent. Jeff's kiss. <laughs> A plus joke. Okay. Thank Sorry. you so much. <laughs> because really also a lot of like mer culture in terms of what they would refer to things or language is still linked up with humanity mm -hmm. because um, they come from humans. Their original ancestors are humans. Mm -hmm. And uh, whenever there's a blue moon, a portion of their population goes on shore. So they're still bringing little things back. Yeah. Um, and it gets kind of woven in with, with mer culture, which is, yeah. which was just super fun to figure out like what it would be. Yeah, no, that was that was definitely great. I really, I mean, it's so funny because some things like the crest has such this list of like, oh, like something would happen and they would be like, oh, right, right, I heard about that, okay. But then like things that wouldn't translate, like for instance, that someone might be get, get the name of Hannah Montana would like not <laughs> like not translate well. You know? yeah. like, but I, um, I also like um, a the use of magic is great because I feel like it really solved a lot of things that would have made me nervous about like I, I was I get anxious. I was like I was anxious about this adventure. How are you right. gonna be? okay? But you know the the thing is, like you said, the Murr are really good mimickers, so they can understand any language. Language, and then there's one of the powers allows them to understand anything that someone says to them. But I also like that there's a processing delay. So, <laughs> so like, I think Sean said something about a telescope and they 
and and like Crest was like, huh? And then eventually got an image of like someone pressing their eye to to like uh, tell them like, okay, okay. And so it's just it was so cute to me that like all these things would happen and they would be like on a delay processing the like meaning or the gist of like what someone was talking about. And then yes, like, like enough to follow along. But I was like, they don't really know. <laughs> like they're just, right. They're like yeah. Like it's still confusing. <laughs> like right. And it was also like super fun to explore how that magic would get confused by like homonyms and things. Yeah. So Sean references being dumped and Crest Magic is telling them that that's like where you go to dispose of trash, literal trash at the dump. Yeah. And so they can't comprehend like, why would a person be being put in the trash? And that whole, like, even though it's magic and wonderful, yeah. uh, there's still places where it can go haywire or where it's things are lost in translation still. Totally. So I liked, that was really fun. And there is a minute where Sean does finally uh, is like it's revealed that Cress is a, is a mer. And so, but yeah. up until that point, like all of the misunderstandings, Sean's just like, it's different in Indiana, I guess. Okay. Like, like the first time that Crest has to cross the street, I was like, it might be like that great moment in Hocus Pocus where they're like, what is the Black River? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, and I was like, oh my God, you're right. It's to be terrifying. The first time you ever cross the street was like a highway in LA. <laughs> yes. If you have like ever been on PCH, it is wild because it's right by the beach and people are whizzing by at 50 60 miles an hour and when you're making your just lovely walk to the beach you're like i'm gonna get flattened right here and once you like have done it a few times you're totally used to it and yada yada but the very first time even as a human, you're like, yeah. whoa, this is going to be wild. So yeah. it's fun to talk about that. Yeah, I just felt like so bad for them, <laughs> like clinging to the like lamp pole or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so there, it is ripe, ripe for physical comedy and like all of that stuff is just like very funny and delightful. Um, I, the other thing that I thought that was really cool, like the thing that I love about something like any sort of mer book or mythology is that like it gives you a way to talk about the human experience but as if like the human experience is odd and not the way we would like norm like that like the, we're so used to like the social and cultural norms but when you center it from somebody coming from a different kind of world it's totally different and so i love the way that you play with like gender and identity and how mm -hmm. like baffled crest is by the gender binary like yeah. and it's like and they were just constantly blown away by like why <laughs> like, <laughs> like they come from a place where like there just is no binary <laughs> like, right yeah and it was like so delightful for them to be like constantly like confused and like oh, why would you torture yourself with this <laughs> I, like i just found all of that like very delightful and also like really like really interesting to be able to like uh, to be like in the POV of a non-binary person and and yeah. like and and have that be the the norm and the like accepted viewpoint and then to look at everything and I was like yeah I mean they have a great point like a lot of this sounds like terrible and then they're like but I found these great chunky heeled boots and I, I learned to walk yesterday <laughs> so yeah. like, and I was like what is, where's the torture now <laughs> like, exactly yeah. like, it was it was such a fun exercise for me because I'm a genderqueer and femme person. And so it was really amazing to be able to come up with this world where you're not ingrained with gender from birth. 
specifically because like more people don't have genitals, at least in the way that I envision them. And they, they have their own version of sex, but it's not to procreate. It's called scaling. And it's just to, to share your body with another person and have that magical experience. Um, and so they wouldn't have from the get go man and woman and what this all means, even though they come from humans that they had had to rethink their whole take on gender because gender as they knew it, how it's, how it's prescribed based on what you, what you've got below your waist mm -hmm. just doesn't exist anymore. Cause everyone has a tail below their mm -hmm. waist. Um, so that was super, super fun and liberating and great. And I know I'm not the first person to imagine like how gender free mer people could be, which was, um, it was actually something I didn't know beforehand going in into this that a lot of like trans and non-binary people sort of use merfolk as kind of like a mascot, uh, mm -hmm. so to speak, in terms of just like how you could live free of gender. Um, and then to realize that there was this whole community there that also felt the same thing about these these people that I've like admired my whole life ever since I saw The Little Mermaid in the theater yeah. um, was so fun. And then especially to let to let Crest as Ross uh, really come into their femininity and realize that they're very drawn to feminine coded clothing and accessories. So like you're saying heels, they really love, but then that's like torture because you go from never having walked before to wanting to walk in heels. And it's like, how the hell am I going to make this happen? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I was like, I, re I really empathize with it. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And it was also really great that, um, that Sean was just like, instantly on board as soon as he was like corrected uh on on crest's pronouns and it i didn't want to write a book because it's a it's a lot for to be a femme person and have to like explain yourself every time you're meeting somebody new if they and a lot of the time most of the time in my life in my face-to-face -face life people are coming at me with questions um out of total good naturedness and wanting to learn more and do better and all that and so i'm always happy to do that but then after a time, it does get a little bit like, man, okay, here we go in the identity explaining yeah. conversation again. And uh, it was nice to write a story where you didn't have to have that. And Sean is, isn't a person that um, when we're in his point of view, he's not like, I need to know all the answers about, about uh, Crest's gender. He just lets Crest be and learn about Crest as they have time together. And if there ever is a moment where it's like a really pertinent question, he can ask it in such a great, respectful, like not making a big deal of it way. And I hope that this can also be sort of an example for humans <laughs> of all genders about how to just make things, uh, how to reveal or how to get information about your non-gender conforming friends in such an organic way that it doesn't feel like, a, okay, I'm going to put a spotlight on you moment. Yeah, I thought it was uh, like a really nice modeling. And also like, like the fact that it was so centered from um, Cress, like, entire lived experience without gender that it was very very easy to be like yeah that's how that would go <laughs> you know? right. Like, yeah. right and um, and then the other thing that was like you just occurred to me as I was reading it is that like I've read so much um, mermaid mythology and uh, like so much folklore and I was like it's actually very interesting that like our human imagination could come up with people under the sea and yet we still uh, prescribe the gender binary to them <laughs> we were right, like right. we could invent people that could breathe into water we're like yeah but it's gotta be a binary like that's the only way <laughs> like exactly <laughs> like, and i and i yeah it was i was like oh it's really interesting there are like some limits to, like right. some of our like 
our like ancient folklore and like you know i'm like because i've always thought it was such a like big and wild idea that like how cute that like humans were like oh obviously there will be people like us under the sea like that sounds normal and then they were like but they gotta be just like we have it prescribed here <laughs> you know? exactly exactly the yeah. i wanted to take away the fascination with what humans don't like to uh admit to themselves as a society i'm sure there's many 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 individuals that get this and understand this but as a society we don't like to say how fascinated we are with people's genitals and we focus on calling them out literally from birth we have to know if it's a boy or a girl and i get there are some practical things like with your doctor where they need to know these things in terms of like how they can give appropriate medical care mm -hmm. that's great and uh there are situations where like this is needed information, but at large and with the public, it's really not. Mm -hmm. And, and even with our pronouns where we, where we call a person he or she, and what we're saying in one small word is that human with penis or that human with vagina. And we need to be sure everyone knows that they have a penis or a vagina. And it's so bizarre, this fashion fascination that we have with that. And so in this world, in this mer world, I wanted to make it where it's like, we're not calling these people mermaid or merman or those those coded words, which if anybody does in in um, passing when they're describing my book, I fully understand that. Like we are in a prison house of language and we've been have been told it's mermaid and merman. Yeah. Uh, so there's like no hard feelings there. But how they describe themselves is mer or mer people or mer folk. There's never any gendered term there because they're not so focused on everyone's genitals. It's just like they're not even focused on each other's tails, even though tails are how they bodily link up when they want to have that physical intimacy. And it makes sense because they're also just about the community. So that they think of themselves as like mer people, the group right. thing. It's not about like a distinction about the individual genitalia or like something that must individuate. Like Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so that's the kind of thing where I think that's a plus of a community thing where it's like we want to focus on um, the heart of the person and how that heart makes the whole soul of our community keep going. Um, and so that was just like really, uh, it was really eye-opening for me too to realize it felt so refreshing to just write in a world where it's mer, mer for pronouns or they, them for pronouns. And uh to have that just be the jump, even when Crest comes on shore, they don't describe a person as a man or a woman, even though they've been taught about how human society wants to put it into that binary. They will say, this is a masculine presenting person or a feminine presenting person, or just a person that has some energy that, um, that there's not necessarily a word for in the English language. Uh, and that I think uh, it would just be so fun, especially for me, like, I really hate when I buy all my clothing in women's sections and it still has, has uh, a little hiccup for me where I feel like I'm doing something wrong where I'm going into the women's section, even though I know these clothes are for me. And when we phrase them by sexes, that's just messed up. If we could just do this as feminine clothing, I fully like have a feminine energy and think we can absolutely name folks energy. And that's what we should be focusing on as opposed to naming folks, um, 
body parts. And I noticed like along those lines, when Cress washes up on shore, the magic gives them some like jeans and a shirt and a very like masculine kind of outfit. And and like I was really struck by their sense of like betrayal almost that like the magic yeah. had assigned them these like masculine clothes and that's like what they were gonna get like be boxed into like as yeah. soon as the human noticed them, you know? And I was like, oh that's so interesting. It's like like I mean just for me as like a like a cis straight person, I was like oh that that must be like what it feels like to be assigned like a gender at birth is that like you wash up and they're like that's you you know and exactly. i was like yeah yeah and so i was like oh and i also like i was like i, I can't believe the magic made a bad decision <laughs> like, i know yeah right yeah. like yeah. and even if even if they had been put into a female sexed body that wouldn't have necessarily felt right either yeah and uh that was really that was that was one of those moments where I was putting a little bit of myself into, into this moment, because I do feel like I was washed up on shore and I'm not necessarily unhappy with my body by any means. And the things that, that the luck of the draw gave me, but I am unhappy with the rules that society says this body needs to, needs to act under. Uh, in terms of dress and in terms of how I talk to other people and in terms of the relationships I should have. Um, and so it was really nice to just have a character in my head who fully understood what I've been trying to say all along and could say it in a way that made sense to me and um, could hopefully shed a new light on it for other people that don't fully understand and do it in a way of comedy. Because uh, I think a lot of times people will shut down if they feel like um, they're being given a quote unquote sob story. And that's not at all me saying somebody acknowledging their very real like gripes and, and troubles and obstacles in the world is a sob story. But I think a lot of defensive people would call it that. Um, so if you can just present it with comedy and get people to have their guard down a little bit, um, it can help. It can, I, I hope for those people it can help shed the light on how, um, how just constrictive gender is for all of us, even people who are cisgender, it's very, it's very constrictive. And I was also thought like I had this, there's that line where I think Cress was explaining that they were non-binary and I was like, but that's not even like the right word because like yeah. they're not, because there's no binary where they come from. So it's not that they're non-binary. They just, they just are, Yeah. but they have to describe it in terms yeah. of a non-binary. Yeah. Cress has a moment yeah. like yeah. near the beginning where they talk about how labels are so constricting in themselves because they can only convey so much information mm -hmm. and you're constricted by how many labels there are. And if there isn't one that, that encapsules all the layers of your being, then it's like, well, none of these are exactly right. Yeah. And so, yeah. 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 No, that was interesting. I also th uh, thought like, so, you know, one of the classic tropes of like a young adult rom-com or young adult is like, there's always the dealing with the body, like, because mm -hmm. like the body is changing at that time in life. And so it was like, oh, they're dealing with like a tail to legs and like, you know, and like, and not just like Crest, but like Sean is also dealing with like his body, like as a like plus size swimmer and like yep. some flack he gets around that, you know, and like, but I also like just very much loved how much like Crest kept being like, I'm titillated by a belly pressing against your shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's yeah. so cute. And again, right. I like, I'm not looking at your thighs. I'm totally looking at your thighs. Adorable. So there's like, there was this thing where like Cress was dealing with like 
dealing with their human body and their legs and then also like the way arousal works like uh-huh. in body and it's very different from tails and then like and and then like and also like sean is like bless his heart like just a horn dog like a normal horn dog teenager <laughs> you know <laughs> like and it was just like so cute to have like that like and also it was like oh yeah this is like such a confusing thing from like all aspects of sexuality and identity is that like but you, you can use a mer person to talk about like the human body and the legs and then they're like what's this appendage and like they're furious at this eel that's like <laughs> snapping around all the time you know it's like i was like yeah you're right you're right the whole human body is actually just like flabbergasting <laughs> it is it's such a bizarre vehicle to be living life in. <laughs> yeah and so then like so they're dealing with like just the real the real function of the human body that like the magic gave them but also with like the difference like the differences to their mer body and then and then just like the yeah the reality the realities of like living in that human body and like there's just so many things like functionally and also identity wise that we're like it's a lot (laughs) overwhelmed (laughs) like and and like it made me think of like it was just such a like a beautiful way to encapsulate the thing that i think a lot of young adult books like are trying to talk about which is like the experience of like growing into your body or how your body changes Mm -hmm. or like the functions reactions of your body and and then how like society sees you and how you present and how you relate to the world like within that body and i was like yeah i don't know how we make it i just don't know (laughs) good job everybody (laughs) managing as best you can (laughs) yes totally i really wanted to that was like one of these sub layers that uh was the most fun for me like i i love bodies and it's really it's really fun i love my own body i love um the like that's been the thing that I've missed the most in the pandemic, like not getting to hug somebody hello or hug your loved ones. I've been so fortunate that like my husband is here. So I haven't been had to sequester alone or anything like that. Um, But that was really prevalent in my mind, the people that weren't being able to have these physical interactions, even just being in the same space as a group of friends. That's such a communal, amazing connection we're having from our physicality. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a human experience for so many of us. Um, so it was really fun to talk about that. It was really fun to talk about to have two love interests that have bodies that are not um, usually glorified in the media as like the the sexual, hot, or romantic body types. Mm-hmm. So Crest is like a very feminine male-bodied person that like a lot of people describe as scrawny. Um, and then a then we have Sean who is a chubby swimmer and has to deal with like the uh, getting made fun of by other swimmers because he doesn't have that like classic quote unquote swimmer's body uh, and also people like not taking him seriously as a lifeguard where he's just uh, he's just his base point is being chubby and I liked that other than a few brief mentions of Sean talking about what he deals with. In that he's not, um, it's not a thing where he's like, that's not his storyline. His storyline is not the way that the world sees him. And then we also get how Crest views Sean and Crest is just so in love with their body, like from the jump. And I think we don't get enough, uh, enough good examples of people being physically attracted to chubby and fat bodies where they are just as beautiful as any other body type, just like a scrawny body is, is just as beautiful as any other body type. And where we can just see examples of of those body types being put into a positive spin and how they're perceived by others. 
as opposed to what we see a lot in media where it's like scrawny means you're weak and you're a wimp and chubby and fat means that you're a slob or that you're lazy where that doesn't come in at all. It's mm-hmm. just, uh, here are two people that are so attracted to the other person, not, uh, not just uh, emotionally and through their personalities, which that's a great attraction to have too. But here are the specific things about their physicality as it is right in this moment that makes them perfect and they don't need to change their body for anything. Yeah, I found that I was reading, I was like, oh, this is a really, as as I write romance and I read a lot of romance and I was like, oh, it's, I'm noticing that it's like really relaxing to be in a world where none of the characters hate their body and there's no body shaming and, and it's just like a broad accept, like bare minimum acceptance and usual just delight (laughs) like in their (laughs) body. So um, I was like, oh yeah, that's a really relaxing headspace to like sink into for a while that like no one's like, I think there's one moment where. Sean gets a little flack and Kavya's like, get in the water. And then like Sean swims faster than anybody. And then it's just not an issue. Like after that, yeah. you know, um, that like his ab- abilities are proven and and then that's it. And he never feels bad about it. He's just like annoyed that like he has to prove it for a second. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah. So just like as a reader, I was like, oh yeah, this is really relaxing when you're not like <laughs> waiting for someone to be like, I don't like the way this shirt looks on me or, you know, whatever. Right. Right. Um, like not from the outside, not from like an external or an internal voice. So like that was just delightful. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Good job. A plus. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I want to talk about, well, I don't want to give things away, but I, I do think one of the things that I also found, especially in a young adult romance is because um, I think there's a, I love romance. So like, I don't, I'm not saying this to disparage it, but in a, especially in the young adult, a lot of the person's identity, um, like the main character, can be um, influenced or kind of surrounded or like can take place around like their passion for the other person or like the fact that they have a love interest um, becomes like kind of their whole sense of identity. And a lot of what Sean's journey is, is like uh, like a reflection, like learning not to be so dependent for like his self-worth just on being in a relationship. And like, yep. is like, and like, there's no shame that he's so obsessed with rom-coms that he loves all of like those tropes and the way they frame everything. Um, but that like a lot of what Crest helps him see is his own self-worth and like his own, uh, like his, like a more rooted sense of his identity, you know, with or without a relationship. And I thought that was like a very like strong place for like a young person to land was that like love and passion and romance are all great. And like Dominic will have, I mean, not Dominic, Dominic too. Fine. Dominic, you can have that. (laughs) Sean, (laughs) Sean will have plenty of that in his life, but like what he also needs is like a strong foundation, like within himself. Um, Exactly. And I was like, that's just like, that's great. Yeah. Like, Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. That it's also was, like you're so young. You don't need to like have your whole identity wrapped up in a person right now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was my maybe not so subtle response to The Little Mermaid, which yeah. I love and is still in my top 10 movies of all time. But I mean, we when we talk about it now, we realize there's some problematic tropes in there. Yeah. One of which being that Ariel is 16 years old and marries this prince that she has only, that at first she's never known before met. Yeah. And then on land has like a week, three yeah. days, yeah. three days. Uh, with Prince Eric and decides to marry him. Totally. So I wanted the mer person to have the realization about this, that like uh, you are not defined by your partner and you're still coming into your own um, as yourself. And this is ironic coming from Crest. They can see it from the outside looking in, but they can't see it 
about themselves, really. Like they're defining themselves by their community and not necessarily by things that are crest. They can't name for certain things that make them them. Mm -hmm. And that was a fun thing to explore too, without giving too much away. There's a moment where Sean kind of points this out to Crest about like, well, what about your individuality? What does it say about y'all that you just stay under the water the whole time? Like what, what else do you have other than you swim around? <laughs> yeah. yeah, what do you do, just swimming? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so um, it's kind of a, a journey of self-discovery for both of them. Mm-hmm. And um, I hope readers feel at the end, like that, that, both Sean and Crest are figuring stuff out, whether that's together, whether that's apart, or what, what, however that ends ends up. Because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I thought it was a nice model for young relationships. And then I'm not going to give stuff away, but but that like that young relationship can like people can help each other like grow into better versions of themselves, you know. But it doesn't have to be because they're so obsessed with each other they forget like everything else. But like like mm-hmm. being in partnership or relationship with someone can like help you find like a, a better sense of your own identity without losing also like a sense of yourself. And I was like, that's probably a healthy message. <laughs> I should probably internalize that a little. <laughs> um, I love it. Um, okay. So let's just, just go back to a, another world, but will you just tell me as I, as I haven't read them, but tell me a little bit about Myrmacorn Island. Myrmacorn Island is my chapter book series with Scholastic and it's for like seven to 10 year olds to 11, 12, kind of like first grade through fourth or fifth grade, depending on the reading level of wherever the kid's at, it's for everybody. Um, and this is set in an underwater world called Myrmacorn Island. And that is, it's just fun to set up the whimsy from the get-go because how do you have an island underwater? You don't, uh, but it- <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, now that you say that, I'm like, I really took it at face value. I was like, yeah, obviously. And now I'm like, actually, wait, what? <laughs> but it's just this underwater little community of myrmicorn and sea creatures. And myrmicorn are half mermaid, half unicorn creatures. Uh, and then there's your run-of-the-mill sea creatures like dolphins and turtles and seahorses and all these things. But the kicker is everybody in Myrmacorn Island has a magical power. So for Myrmacorns, they develop the, this magic that's called their sparkle at a very young age. And it's a very specific type of magic. Like there is baking sparkle that Lucky is the lead character. His best friend, Ruby, has baking sparkle and can just, with like the flick of a fin and a knot of her unicorn horn, create amazing baked goods. Or there's, um, there's like speed sparkle, or you could swim super fast and all these things. And then in addition, the sea creatures that we know and love also have magical powers, but they're consistent throughout the whole species. So like all dolphins have magical echolocation that can locate anything that they're looking for under the sea. So they're great treasure hunters. Or all seahorses are super speedy. They all have that. Um, And so it's this little group of four that they call themselves the Fantastic Four. And it's kind of the group leader is Lucky. And Lucky feels very unlucky because his sparkle has not developed when everyone else's has. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, my God. So he's like, what do I do? (laughs) I know. There's there's a happy ending, right? There is a happy ending. Okay, great. Thanks. So (laughs) he finds this magical treasure chest that's full of magic seashells. And whenever he holds one of these shells, it gives him a magic power. So all of a sudden, he's got this like, plethora, this literal treasure trove of magic where he can see what it's like to have any kind of sparkle when previously he had no sparkle. So every book is him. There's four currently in the series. 
every book is him uh, trying out a new shell and trying out a new magical power and realizing how magic isn't all it's cracked up to be. If you don't really know how to harness it, things can go haywire because something inevitably always does go haywire. And, uh, and that the like overall core of this is whether or not you have literal magic powers, you have magic in yourself. If you just like pull on your individual strengths to solve problems. And that's kind of how Lucky and the rest of the Fantastic Four go about it is solving their problems without, um, without having to rely too heavily on their magic. And uh, I just really love this series. Yeah, no, it's full of sea puns. <laughs> great. Okay, great. So how many books are in that series? Currently there's four. Okay. And um, I'm hoping at some Fingers point crossed. we can get some more because it's like, they're super quick reads. They're about mm -hmm. 110 pages each, heavily illustrated um, by Lisa Manuzak Wiley, who is an amazing illustrator. They're just like so gorgeous. I, this is meant to be like a series someday, uh, an animated series someday. I would yeah. love that. Oh, awesome. And then I'm sorry, I'm going to ask the question that every writer dreads, but are you working on anything else right now? I am. Okay, I love you, this question. Are you allowed to tell us? I am allowed to okay. tell you about one and I'll give you okay. hints about the other Okay. One. Okay, great. Um, so the first one that I'm working on that's been announced is called, and I love this title. It's my favorite title that I've ever come up with so far. Riley Weaver needs a date to the gay butante ball. Fantastic. Sold. Where's the Netflix series? Okay. Great. Okay. And yeah. this is contemporary. Um, it's follow, it follows Riley Weaver, who is a 16 year old junior in high school who has always dreamt of being a part of the gay butante society, which is this society of queer tastemakers that go on to do like amazing things in the arts and in politics and activism. And he wants to be this interviewer slash podcaster extraordinaire, speak talking to podcaster extraordinaires yeah. here. Um, and so he's really convinced that the, getting the backing of the Gabutant Society behind him will help launch his career, which he really needs because uh, he's in a very small town and his family has such a history in this town and he feels like he's cursed and is gonna be stuck there forever. Mm -hmm. um, but the key thing with Riley is that he is femme and he gets told that just after he learns about the gabutante ball, which is like the big, the biggest thing in the gabutante season is once you're inducted into the society, you are presented to the world as a gabutante at the ball. And at the ball, you bring a date. Oh and he is told by a very cis gay guy that gay guys don't like femme guys or else they wouldn't be gay. They would, they <gasps> would, you know, they're only oh, into- no manly men oh no and, and riley being okay. the stubborn like yeah. uh libra that he is is yeah. like that's wrong and i'm gonna bring justice to the world and i'm going to prove to you that gay guys like them guys and uh i'm gonna i'm going to keep a record of this all in a whole new podcast where i detail the ups and downs of dating in the gay world as a femme person and creates the riley weaver needs a date to the gay Tomp ball podcast and the Riley bets that if he cannot find a guy to ask, a gay guy to ask him out as to ask, to ask him to be his boyfriend in time for the gay butante ball, he will drop out of the gay butante society. Uh, but if he wins, Skyler, who is this baseball star, his team has to drop out of baseball. So they're both they both have their futures on the line, and they're both okay. convinced that they're right. And the overall, you know, like message and exploration is how do we how do we talk about like our the things that we're attracted to that we can't help that we're attracted to, whether it's energies, whether it's body types, these things, how do we acknowledge those without shitting on the people that don't fit into that for you? 
Yeah. It's like, it's, um, it's exploring how it's totally okay to have things that you like. Like some people can't explain why if somebody's taller than them, it gives them this thrill or the opposite, or if they're shorter, it gives them this thrill. Or when they look into deep, dark eyes they love that where some people love blue eyes like it's things where i'm infamous things- for having a thing for redheads and like cannot explain it and it's yeah. like almost almost a problem right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it's talking about that whole thing which yeah. i love because it's it makes it so there is truly a lid for every pot that we're all attracted to something different and we can't always describe it um but that doesn't mean we have to go and and belittle folks that don't fit into our personal body type attractions. Yeah. Um, and cause that's something as a femme person that I've not from my husband, I, he's been amazing where he's gone along the road with me from like looking like this little muscle twink in West Hollywood, California oh. to, to becoming like Laura Dern. We're now yeah. very, very feminine. And, and you're nailing uh, it on the Laura Dern front. Just want to let you know. <laughs> Thank, <laughs> <Nailing> you. <it. laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But a lot of times, like when I came into my own as a femme person, I, I have been, I have just as many gay naysayers as I do people who are straight and cisgender where gay guys have told me like I'm trying to convince everybody that I'm trying to convince gay teens that they're all just want to be women and it's like that's not at all what I'm trying to say um so it's exploring that and it's it's been really fun and still in that light-hearted funny way that I try to do in my work so there's that that was a long-winded explanation no I love it (laughs) because this sounds like um like I I did not grow up like in the south but every time I heard about like debutante balls I was like insanely jealous so like they didn't have them in my town so it's got like and it's got like all the like the Bridgerton kind of like stuff that I like pageantry that I like yes plus like oh like a mission with a podcast (laughs) and like yeah so and that's like I was like a secret cabal of like super powerful queer people that like you totally need to like get in so you can also be like super powerful like great it's been so fun to talk about that where it's especially like crafting the gabutant society where it still has its pitfalls like it's not just like you were saying it's not in every community it's only in four specific schools um but what they've tried to do is really make it like almost a union of sorts where Mm -hmm. once it it lasts even after your high school years where you're trying the whole mission is we started as teens trying to support other teens and then Mm -hmm. when we get older we're going to keep passing the baton to current teens yeah so like Part of their mission is once you make a living wage, uh, you'll give 3% of your earnings to the Gabutant Society so that um, not only can we keep holding fabulous Gabutant events, yeah. but then all Gabutants will have their health care covered. Like it's little things like this where they oh create my God. Wow. This, little, yeah. this little like queer paradise for the yeah. people that they can. Yeah. And that's been fun to, yeah. to envision what that could look like. Yeah, that sounds um, great. Okay, so what's the other thing that you can just drop big hints about? <laughs> the other thing that should be announced very soon okay. um, is a fantasy, <gasps> uh, like a true fantasy, not just oh, okay. little fantasy elements, It's okay. um, but it's a contemporary fantasy. So okay. it's, it's like set in the world as we know it, but there happens to be magic. Like involved. practical magic? Like practical magic, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, but we go even much deeper into the magic society than we get in practical magic. Um, and it's gay, I can tell you that. And uh, it has a lot of fun, like fast-paced fantasy action. And I think that's about all. I can okay, say great. Right no, now. don't tell us anymore. That sounds thrilling. That sounds great. <laughs> and that's okay, young that's young adult. Okay, great, awesome. Yeah. So both are young adult, awesome. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I'm sure I could talk to you about three more hours, but we should wrap it up. (laughs) 
awesome. This was so amazing. Yeah, this is wonderful. So tell everybody where to find you and where to find Out of the Blue. Yes. So you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at HeyJasonJune. And my website is www.HeyJasonJune.com. Also, one other quick little thing I just wanted to plug is Out of the Blue can be bought uh, on Mermaid 31st on from any book retailer, Barnes & Noble, your local indie, which I really love, Amazon, all of that. It's also going to have audio and digital formats released the same day. But I'm also creating an Out of the Blue donation drive with um, three indies, which you can find uh, on all my social media profiles, the link there or on my website. There is information about the donation drive where, as we all know, there's a lot of book banning efforts happening about queer uh, stories and stories about people of color. And I wanted to find a way to be able to get out of the blue, which is a queer fun summer beach read into the hands of queer readers where it couldn't be taken away from them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've teamed up with almost 30 LGBTQ centers that have teen programs throughout the country. And we have requests for about a thousand books uh, and we're going to get these delivered directly to the centers so that they can be handed right to these teens and it can't be stripped away from them, whether it's through their school library or through the public library that is getting challenged. Um, and so if you go to my social media profiles and follow the link there, it will show you these three independent bookstores I'm working with where you can donate a copy, have it ordered, and we'll cover the shipping. So just there's all these clear instructions on I the pages. love so. it I can tell you the mermaid podcast would be happy to sponsor a copy Thank that you would be so I much. love this idea um a kids. yes it's gonna go right yeah. to them because it's yeah. like it it just breaks my heart that there could be kids this summer that want to have a fun beach read like mm-hmm. so many of their straight counterparts but they can't even go to their library because it could get challenged or they yeah. couldn't go to their school library because parents objecting um, to the school boards or their librarians there yeah. whereas these lgbtq centers are private organizations and so um there's not there's nobody that's full of hate that can go and take that away it can just be given right to the teens um and so yeah it helps indies it helps uh, it helps a queer author that's coming up in their career, but most importantly, it helps those readers. So yeah. That's awesome. Okay. That's a great idea. Okay. So I will make sure to put links to that and to your website and everything in the show notes so that like people can find it. Thank Um, you so much. Yeah, no, thank you. This has been very, very excellent. And I, like hope you write more mer stuff so i have an excuse to bring you back but if you don't i'll still love it that's fine <laughs> thank you so much i yeah. i was so happy to be asked to be here and like i cannot thank you enough for keeping the mer love alive for My everybody pleasure. out there Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please tell a friend or leave a review. Reviews are really important because they help other mermaid lovers find this podcast. The easiest thing to do is leave a review right in the app you are using to listen to this episode or leave a review on our Facebook page. If you would like to stay in touch with us, the best thing to do is sign up for our email list. We will only send you emails you like about new episodes, and when you sign up, you will get an exclusive collection of short mermaid stories written by me. You can join the email list by dropping your email address into the sign-up link in any of the episode show notes and at mermaidpodcast.com. 
You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Mermaid Podcast, and we always love to see you on social media. Again, we'll have links to all the mermaid news mentioned in this episode on our website, mermaidpodcast.com. Our jingle was recorded by Tori Scott, the world-famous cabaret singer. You can find Tori at itstoriescott.com. The Mermaid Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. It's the Mermaid Podcast. We've got mermaids on the land and down below. Legs or fins, you will love our show. All the news that makes a splash is on the Mermaid Podcast.